Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longsword. And I'm Tom Askell. Hey, thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We are very excited about this particular podcast because we have the one and the, the only. only. Rod Martin. Rod Martin. Rod Martin. Rod Martin's with us, who has been with us before on The Sword and the Trial. You're the only repeat guest we've ever had. People wow. listen like from all over the land when you were with us last This time. one will go international. No wow. doubt. I'm honored. <laughs> and, and as as we struggled to do um, at the last podcast we had, we'll probably struggle again to um, give you like a, an official job description or what, any way to yeah, describe Rod. It's like somebody tell me, what does he do again? I'm like, what doesn't he do? Let's brilliant. talk about the things Rod doesn't do. Yeah. He'll be shorter. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I clearly don't diet. Exactly. I mean, that didn't would be salad one earlier when we yeah, were having lunch. That's, that's good. it. What is it, Tom? Give it. Give us. Yeah, you're the Rod. founder of the. Is it the Rod Martin Group? The Martin Organization. Martin Organization. So yes. if people want to find that. They would go to rodmartin.org. Uh, that's my personal blog or martinorganization.com for our company. Uh, we have a diversity of interests in biotechnology and and internet properties and uh, a couple of pharmaceutical plays. One of which is now in phase three trials on a drug that has successfully reversed cirrhosis of the liver. So we're pretty excited about that. Wonderful. And that's what you do in your spare time because full time you're serving the kingdom of God in various capacities as you volunteer your services. I think that we are serving God in all of our work whatsoever, (laughs) as you well know, but, but nevertheless, yes, uh, I do have the privilege of serving on the executive committee of the Southern Baptist convention currently. And, uh, my sweet wife is on the board of the Florida Baptist children's home. And, uh, we are, we are very, very dedicated to, to the kingdom and it's particularly particular expression through Southern Baptists. Well, very good. For those who are listening to us today, this is a crazy time in the SBC. So to have the opportunity to sit down with an executive committee member is really a special thing. And it's a timely thing given the controversy that's been happening with the pastor's conference. So this has been all over Twitter. There's a controversy with the pastor's conference. Uh, there's a little bit of a controversy. Yes. What's going Um, on? Clue us in for those of us who don't know. Well, was it surely not anything serious? Yeah, it is serious. It hurts my stomach. Like, you know, it just really does. And in one sense, I want to ridicule it and be silly. In another sense, I just want to cry. It makes me, I got really, I'm, I'm, I am upset by what's happened, quite honestly. Pastor David Youth of First Baptist Orlando was nominated and elected by the last pastor's conference to be the pastor's conference president for this conference, and he sets the lineup, and that lineup is not good. It's not good. It's not something that I think Southern Baptists would support. There's a four-square gospel preacher. Um, there is a woman pastor from out in California that's going to come and do spoken word. She's not SBC. Um, highly concerned with Pastor David Hughes at Church by the Glades. Um, he's a very big church pastor, and he has his videos out on the internet. Um, one of which has a woman dancing in scantily clad clothes to a Britney Spears song, talking about she's going to whip it, and she's going to make it hot. And then he does a Game of Thrones um, pastor sermon series. sermon series where he's sitting up on a throne. And I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I've heard that it's full of violent sex, rape, incest, and graphic nudity throughout. And so. I, I, I was shocked to see all of this. Um, we have written the executive committee members trying to say, please don't move forward with the pastor's conference. I don't think that the little widows that give their money through the cooperative program would support sexual immorality in the public worship of holy God, uh, of platforming a man who has done that at his church. I've now, reached out to Dr. Hughes 
or Pastor Hughes directly, Pastor Youth directly. And um, this is where the controversy sits today. Executive Committee meets in Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday. You meet Monday and Tuesday. We're recording this Sunday. Um, So I guess we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But that's where the the controversy sits presently. Of course, the the Executive Committee doesn't have any control over the Pastors Conference. Doesn't give any money to the Pastors Conference, right? Uh, Well, uh, okay. Uh, To flesh that out slightly, we absolutely have no control over what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, like everything else in Baptist life, it is disjointed and, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody has their own little parts but 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 it is true that the pastor's conference has always been part of the convention week and it shares a a room with the annual meeting and uh we do heavily subsidize that they Mm -hmm. pay 50 percent of the cost of that space so I feel reasonably confident that will be discussed in the meeting this week. I don't know exactly what the outcome of that's likely to be. Uh, The exact way that this authority works is, first of all, uh, to vote on pastor's conference officers, you actually have to be a pastor. I don't have any say over that at all because I ain't one. And uh, moreover, you have to actually show up at the SBC pastor's conference each year and vote on the next year's officers. So uh, they clearly have the authority to platform whom they will. I would strongly question, uh, aside from Aside from just disagreeing with those choices, I I would strongly question, in particular, the selection of a woman who is self-identified on on the church website, on her resume, as a a female teaching pastor. Mm -hmm. And this seems to me to just be a a gross affront to the Baptist faith and message. I, I don't understand how that could possibly be acceptable as part of the SBC Pastors Conference. Now, I know that the the feedback on that has been, well, she's not there to teach. Well, okay, so she's doing some kind of spoken word art at a pastors conference, and she's a pastor. Huh. I mean... I may just be a dummy from the sticks, but that sounds like a preacher to me, and I bet I'm not alone. (laughs) Hey, Rod, well, uh, my understanding is that uh, every year in this particular meeting of the executive committee, the EC, that this is an item on the agenda, that you each year have to vote to uh, allow the pastor's conference to have the space for a 50% discount. That's and so correct. this is not something that just came up on your agenda in the wake of the controversy. This was already on your agenda, but I also have been under the impression that it's kind of been a formality, that it's just something that oh, is course. done, but it's not going to be a formality when you guys sit down in a couple of next two days to discuss it. It's, it's now risen to the level where you're actually going to have to give serious attention and probably debate to it. Is that right? I think that's probably true. I mean, I, I I just taught through Leviticus. I'm not going to engage in divination or anything, but it does seem to me uh, very likely that this will be a pretty serious topic of discussion. And honestly, I I don't know what the outcome of that is for the very good reason that, you know, it's a weighty matter to go kick the pastor's conference out. That That's, I mean, I think everybody would have heartburn over that. But at the same time, it does tell you how important it is to show up at these events right. and vote for officers because 
I don't think anybody on God's earth thought David would platform these people. I, I don't know what he was thinking, and I don't want to speak for him. But if you disagree with that, there's an easy fix for it. Show up and vote. Right. And and so show up and vote for the you know the pastor's conference deal. And then show up and vote for your executive committee members because you have been elected, right, mm-hmm. by the convention. So you're nominated to be in the position that you're in and then voted on by the convention. So if you get good executive committee members, that look at this and go, you know, honestly, I can't stomach uh, having a pastor platformed at our pastor's conference who has used Victoria's Secret as an evangelistic tool. He's got, they have cards yeah, that say Victoria's Secret, not Victoria's Secret, with a woman's sultry eyes on it, and then the name of Christ plastered all over it. Yeah, Saying I was that, pretty sure they were advertising some kind of porn magazine with that. Yeah. I, I don't know what that is. Hey, well, well, tell us about that. How do you get on the executive committee because the the convention votes for those who go on to the committee, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot that happens before it comes to the convention to vote on those individuals. So can you walk us through that process? Yeah, let's start with the most important part. People think of the Southern Baptist Convention as a denomination, and they've got that thoroughly backward. I mean, we aren't Presbyterians. We aren't Anglicans. We aren't any of those things. There is no top-down anything in the SBC. In fact, sometimes kind of wish it were because we might be able to get a little more done. But no, no, we don't want that. We're Baptists for a reason. And and by the way, when people get all uppity about, oh, well, we shouldn't have politics in the church. Hello, you chose to be a Baptist. We are political <laughs> by definition. We we get to rule ourselves. That's a feature, not a bug. So, so what is the SBC? The SBC is a bunch of guys and, and, and gals too because we've got a lot of women on our boards as, as I think we should in those roles. Those are not pastoral roles. Those are stewardship roles, and that is all they are. So, so, and you're talking about the Board of Southern Seminary or the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention or the Board of the International Mission Board, whatever you're talking about. Those are bodies where Baptists pool together their money to do things we could not do as well by ourselves in our local churches. That is all it is. Now, that is a really big stewardship obligation. So we need to be reflecting what the Baptist in the pew believes. Mm -hmm. And I know there have been times in the past where we didn't so well, and I kind of think Victoria's Secret might be one of those right now. Mm -hmm. But, But the point is, all of this is just taking care of the money from your church that you gave to us to spend collectively with everybody else to achieve a worthy goal. And by the way, those are very worthy goals. We educate in our six seminaries, a third of the seminary students on this continent. We send out the biggest missionary force in the history of evangelicaldom. We're getting some stuff done that Southern Baptists should be very, very delighted by. And so it is a big deal when something goes awry. And that's just a never-ending struggle. You're always going to have differences of opinion. You're always going to have some people who see things a little bit differently from another. So it's important that you show up at annual meetings and vote. That's how 
you make a difference. And if your church is talking about pulling out of the Southern Baptist Convention because you're because you're uh, upset about this or that, well, that's just silly. What you ought to be doing is going and finding you three more churches to join with you and bring people to vote at the convention. All you're doing is handing it to the people you disagree with. That's just dumb. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be dumb. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't answer your question. <laughs> Let's get back to but it. But you yeah. got to lay the foundation or you don't understand what's going on. So, so the way we put these boards together for these different entities – what we're doing is we elect a president. President has almost no powers except he gets to appoint the tellers and he gets to appoint the resolutions committee. Sometimes that's more contentious than others, as we know. And he gets to appoint the uh, the committee on committees. And I know only Baptists could be lame enough to have a committee on committees, but we do, and, and it's a good thing. The committee on committees is broadly representative geographically, it's broadly representative in terms of it's got pastors, it's got lay people. A lot of those lay people are going to be women, and they're going to be this and that thing. Is, is, there, is there a formula, as the percentages of what it got, is to be comprised of? There are some. There are some parameters. Okay. So, right. uh, if memory serves, you can't have more than like two thirds of it be pastors, and you can't yeah. have less than a third. So, so there's some wiggle right. room uh, for for the person doing the appointing, and then that broadly representative body appoints another broadly representative body called the Committee on Nominations. Mm-hmm. They actually go through lists of people who ought to be considered for actual board positions on all of these different entity boards. They report out something called the Report of the Committee on Nominations. That goes to the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention every single year, and the convention votes on that. So normally that's not contentious, and you just you just – adopt the report, but every now and then somebody will be controversial for some reason or another. And of course you can always take nominations from the floor. This is how the process works, but it all comes back to the Baptist in the pew. If you're not showing up at the annual meeting, you don't have a say. And currently, and this should shame us all, though we'll have about 10,000 messengers at any given Southern Baptist convention, they only represent about 8% of our churches, not 80, eight. So let's take the executive so committee. come to convention. Let's take this this issue that's presently happening right now with the pastors' conference and show the significance of the executive committee, and then maybe get into some of the details because it can be so confusing for people that aren't involved in it. So you are one of eighty people, 80, eighty six, eighty six yeah. people that are on the executive committee. You serve a term for how many years? Four years. Four years, and so every every year, about how many people stagger off of that eighty? Well, most of the time, everybody ends up with a second term. So you will. So you have. I, I couldn't tell you offhand. It's probably ten to fifteen. 10 to 15. I think so, my group was twelve. And you meet in Nashville. Yes. So meet- or, or, well, two meetings in Nashville uh, during the year, and then we also meet in conjunction with the Southern Baptist Convention each year. So three meetings every year. Yes. Of the executive committee, and this one that's in February. You have one in February every year. Yes. And you will be taking up the question about whether to provide this space. So, again, so just people understand the executive committee, um, it's through the cooperative program that we purchase the convention space. Mm-hmm. And then the executive committee makes a decision whether to give this space to the pastor's conference. So the pastor's conference is separate, but the pastor's conference is saying, um, executive committee, we would like to use the space. And the executive mm-hmm. committee says up or down, whether you can use that space. Normally always says up. And normally... To my knowledge, it has never been controversial before. It's yes. never been controversial. But it's actually a stewardship 
constitutionally, yes, that we're pre-committed to it operating this way in the case that something like this would happen. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a lot of responsibility to be an executive committee member, and you see how this works. Now, a question well, I that's, have. And that's just one thing out of gajillions. I mean, our biggest single ministry assignment uh, as an executive committee is we oversee cooperative program allocation. So, you know, we decide what what percentage goes to Southern Seminary. Mm-hmm. We decide what percentage goes to the International Mission Board. Right. And, Ethics you know, there's the a... Liberty Commission. Absolutely. And those things are all complicated, and they're going to be a whole lot of inputs from a lot of different directions. And, and I'm not going to say it's as simple as we got together, had a lemonade, and decided, but I'm just saying the the assignment of the executive committee is is crucial and and moreover the executive committee operates as the convention ad interim which means that with a handful of exceptions in in theory not really in practice but in theory the executive committee can do anything the annual meeting can do if it chooses to do so which you know kind of like the british parliament there are a whole lot of things that just aren't done but still in theory that's true so it was about i think it was two or three years ago maybe in phoenix i can't remember that the there is um there is there is a another committee called the credentials committee yes and online at sbc.net you can go to the credentials committee and that is where a church can be um any any person any southern baptist can go and and say this church is not in keeping with the baptist faith and message 2000 or they are have been um guilty of some kind of abuse or they've been guilty of some kind of racism which is a new thing as you know the, it, those last two assignments and, and and okay so so this is kind of a two-edged sword let me just say this because i think it's important we take the sexual abuse issues that were highlighted in the Houston Chronicle extraordinarily seriously. I had absolutely no reservations whatsoever about taking strong action on that. Ditto racism. We can't have that numbered among us. That has to go. No question about it. Now, having said that, you could have some different approaches that eviscerate due process, and and we've seen some things in the last year that concern me quite a bit in that regard. But, but we did vote in Birmingham, and it's only the third time I want to say in a century to amend our constitution to to uh, to achieve this end, and it was the adding to the credentials committee mm-hmm. of some teeth to be able to enforce um, on on sex abuse issues and racism issues. And by enforce, I don't really mean they can do much of nothing. They can, they can recommend disfellowshipping a congregation. Mm-hmm. And that decision isn't actually made by the credentials committee. That decision is actually made by the EC, the executive committee. So, so they would make a recommendation, and then that would come before the executive committee. Uh, in theory, I think that makes tremendous sense. We needed to take a stand on these things. In practice, I'm a little concerned about some of the details, but I assume we can sort that as time goes on. But this has already happened. We there was a the credentials committee now is nine people, nine people, yes. and it's a standing committee. Now, so the question I have to you, let me get the question. But a few years ago, the credentials committee received word about a church that was not allowing African Americans to come to the congregation. Yes, and the credentials committee dealt with that, and they sent that to the executive committee. And I believe the executive committee reviewed. Is that your understanding? I wasn't there then, but I think that's, that's right. the process. Because then yes. it, I think it comes to the convention. Doesn't it actually come to the convention of churches? Because I remember voting on it. I was there and raised. I think my, the church. I think the convention does have to vote. Yeah, 
I think maybe. under I think under the new I could be mistaken. I think I, I think don't think do. that has to happen under the new process, but you might be right. I think I think that's right. Well, we voted yes. to remove this church. We did. So, I, I remember that happening. So yes, that church is no longer Southern Baptist. You know, they can continue in their racism if they want to. Um, they shouldn't, but they're not going to do it as Southern Baptist. So right. I think that was a wonderful way. Hey, we have a constitution. The Southern Baptist Constitution very clearly states that if you're going to be a church in happy cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention, then you have to be in keeping with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You have Absolutely. to be in general agreement with it. Um, so this the the process, the executive committee has a great amount of responsibility because they yes. may be dealing with churches that are out of step with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 and then recommending mm-hmm. to the convention that those churches be removed. Yes, and churches do get removed for various reasons. And historically, again, that, that was all about, you know, Baptist faith and message. Now we've added a couple of things, and 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 again, rightly so. There's no room for that among us, not at all. And you know, the right answer to someone in your church getting caught engaging in some kind of sex abuse is handcuffs. I mean, that that should never be permitted. If some mm-hmm. church isn't allowing uh, uh, some black person or Asian person or whatever to show, or for that matter, a black church not allowing a white person in, it doesn't really matter. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. It, it, that is not acceptable. That eviscerates the gospel. The gospel unites all mankind back as they were in Adam and in Noah. So so there's no place for that. Uh, the details are a little stickier, though. We have to be very mindful of due process issues. I'm very concerned about the way we are uh, condemning people through accusation mm-hmm. now, not just in church life, but in, in the United States and frankly throughout Western civilization. It's a real problem. It, it must be uh, addressed in a reasonable way because, I mean, Scripture's very clear on that too. We have multiple, multiple places where the Scripture says that we may not convict anybody on less than the testimony of two or three witnesses, but Paul goes further and says flat out that I won't even entertain a charge against an elder on less than two or three witnesses. That causes all manner of of issues. I understand that. I, I'm not dismissing the the position of those who say, yeah, but that can cause injustice. I agree, but you know, my training is as a lawyer. Then I'm sorry, but our point of view from from the perspective of my erstwhile profession, because I don't practice law anymore, we do technology stuff, but but our point of view is simple. It is better for ten guilty men to go free than one innocent man hang. And if that's not your point of view, you end up in a star chamber Spanish Inquisition situation before you turn around. And so so we've got to find a wise balance on these issues or we're going to see the entire SBC come unstuck. It's going to fly apart at some point if you get the wrong issue on the wrong day and you you accuse somebody to death and it catches fire. I mean, that's just reality because we're a bunch of churches in voluntary association. Nobody has to be here. Nobody has to stay here. And anybody who thinks they're going to dictate to a bunch of Baptists hadn't met any Baptists, I know. I mean, that's just crazy. I know there are some people who who think they can, but that's just not how it works. So we've got to find a balanced approach that is fair to the concerns of those making charges and those who are being charged. I think we're a good bit of the way there, but I think there's some, there's some work that could be done. To whom is the executive committee responsible? 
we're responsible to the Baptist in the pew. Okay. And I mean and I mean that wholeheartedly because because though I am elected to represent Florida Baptists per se, if you look at how our office is described, I I represent Southern Baptists everywhere, really. I, I certainly need to uh, have special interest in the concerns of my state, but I'm I'm responsible for the well-being of, of everybody everywhere. So so we have to be and are, and this is true of every single thing in Southern Baptist life, we are responsible to that Baptist in the pew, to the pastor who is trusting us with, with the CP money they forward on from their budget, and, and we take that very seriously. So how would Baptists? I do. Anyway. Yeah, how would Baptists in the pew then uh, express concern, raise questions, uh, express their uh, convictions and desires about some controversial issue like the pastors conference coming up? What would be the proper channels through which communication could be made to the executive committee? Well, okay, this isn't directly responsive to your question, but if in my perfect world all of you would get off Twitter, Twitter is a nihilistic wasteland. It is the worst. You can what's you your, can enjoy uh, uh, what's you your, can enjoy that reference uh, what, if you want. What's your Twitter Twitter's, handle? Oh, uh, Rob D. Martin. It's from yeah, a man that I mean, tweets. I, but, tweets. I'm a, but I'm on there because all these big Baptists are on there. It's the only place I can hear what they have to say. And that it, all of us should just quit. We should just all stop today. It's I, a disaster. I area. object. I object but, to Rod Martin. Just so you know, we've but, seen quite a number of things happen because of Twitter. But, well, <laughs> I know. Let's go ahead. I I'm know. just stating my objection. We'll uh, get into it. Twitter, it, people just fight and fight and fight. I, I I love Facebook because people can actually have a real conversation on Twitter. They just shoot each other all day. <laughs> it's like it's like the wild west. I, I it's that. horrible. But but seriously, obviously, you can reach some people through Twitter. I talked to an entity head yesterday by direct message through Twitter. So you know, I mean, it's 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 usable. Uh, there's a phone number for each of these entities. I'd call it. There's a, an email address for all these entities. I'd write it. They all have a physical address. Jason Allen says we should all send him a letter. Maybe we should all send him one. I mean, I'll send him a letter just to say hi. You wanted a letter? Here you got one. So we uh, call but, the executive but, committee. There's a line for the executive committee, a phone number that yeah, we can call. Absolutely. And somebody's going to answer the phone. And we, we what should we say that we want to speak with our state? executive committee members should we say you know i don't know exactly how they'd answer that question i assume they would they would get you to the right person it's possible they might refer you to your state exec and and that i i don't know the procedure on that here here's my take on it call us write us whatever you got to do get a hold of us we're there to serve you now i don't get paid for this you should just see the big bucks i mean gee whiz i don't even take expense reimbursements but but you know we're doing this because we believe in it we're doing this because we believe in the vision of the southern baptist convention and the cooperative program and i can't speak for everybody but i assume this is true for for just about everybody there's probably always somebody in any group but I want to hear from people. Mm -hmm. I want to hear their concerns. And I know my email's been blowing up for two days over this pastor's conference thing. I, I bet I got 20,000 emails. I, actually, I wish I'd gotten 20,000 emails. But it's a bunch. <laughs> you know, if you guys aren't telling people what's bothering you, how are they going to know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they aren't having dinner at your table. So if you don't tell us, we don't know. And, and moreover, 
You want to talk to the most significant person you can get to easy? That's your state exec. That's the executive director treasurer of your state Baptist convention. Why? Because that guy has the biggest single decision-making power over how much state how much state money your state sends to us. So I tell you what, you won't get our attention. I, I'm not saying this is how it ought to be. I just know how the world works. Get that state exec upset at us, and oh, he'll get everybody's attention. I promise. It's easy to make a difference in SBC life. People don't understand that, mm-hmm. so they sit back and maybe they complain or they ignore it or they drop out. Uh-uh-uh. This is your money. These are your institutions. Anybody who says otherwise, well, maybe we ought to disfellowship them. I'd mention that Rod is the most responsive executive committee member I've ever spoken to. So <laughs> well, I appreciate you. you listening. I, do. I think you should make sure you get another term because this is your first term. <laughs> yes, it I is. I want a second term for Rod Martin. Can I just back up and make sure I clarify? You said get attention of your state exec. Who, yeah. who, who is that? Who are you talking about? Well, okay, I live in Florida, so our state exec, or, or again, the, the official title is Executive Director Treasurer of the Florida Baptist Convention. Every state's got one of those guys. Uh, in Florida, that guy is a fellow named Tommy Green. He is a gentleman and a scholar. Love him to death. He was a, he was a senior pastor for I don't even know how many years, and boy, you ought to hear him preach. And he's got a vision for how we're going to grow the church and reach the lost in this state. I believe in him. And uh, I'm sure we'll find something to disagree on sometime. But he's a good man. And if you want to, if you want to get somebody's attention, get Tommy's. And and you know, if he if he's with you, he can yank some chains. This is a new thought for me. I didn't know that. So there's a connection between your state convention president. Was that is that a fair title for Tommy Green or no? Executive no. director. He's the executive, executive director. director. He's full time su- staff. State yeah, he, president is elected. You know, for a one-year term. Got it. Okay. So your state executive director, there's a connection between your state executive director and the executive committee. Well, Well, not formally. No. Do you want to handle it? Yeah, because the the state, a a church gives money to the cooperative program or to SBC entities, and it goes through the state offices. Mm -hmm. The state, Florida, decides how much of that money goes on to Nashville to be distributed through all of our convention entities. And... Uh, I think Florida's now is like 51% or 52%. Yeah, we give 51 cents out of every unrestricted dollar we get. We send to Nashville. Yeah, it goes on to be distributed then among the seminaries, IMB, North American mm-hmm. Mission Board. The other stays in the state for state mission efforts and ministries. And so that executive director is key because he – he oversees that budget, and he has great influence in helping to determine what those percentages are. I mean, that's the way absolutely. I understand that. That's yeah. absolutely right. And and uh, if you want to make a difference in that allocation, because every state does that differently. We've got states that uh, – this is just off the top of my head, so it won't be exactly accurate, but I, I know some states are you know keeping 60% sure. in their state. I know some states are keeping 70% in their state. They're out in the west and they don't have any money to speak of and nearly all the money they do have came from the North American Mission Board anyway. So so you know it doesn't make sense for them to be sending some huge CP allocation up to us, but for in Florida, we made the decision cuz I'm on I'm on the board here also. We made the decision a number of years ago at at Tommy's leading that mm-hmm. we were going to send 51 cents of every dollar on to reach the world for Jesus, and moreover, that we were going to redouble efforts on our on our state missions offering, which you know does not get allocated right. that way, uh, to reach 
those parts of Florida that are especially lost, for instance, Miami-Dade County, 98% unchurched. Last time I heard from Kevin Azell, 98%. I mean, we're, we're talking about sending missionaries all over the world, but Miami-Dade County is, is yeah. as big a mission field as you're going to find on planet Earth. And we can drive down there. Don't go on a mission trip to someplace that costs you a bunch of money on airfare. Get in your car, spend a tank of gas, and go witness to somebody in Miami. And uh, uh, that's not against international missions. It's just right. practical. Uh, so, so, yeah, this state is exceedingly supportive mm-hmm. of the cooperative program. But if, uh, if you're somebody who thinks we've got that wrong and ought to flip that around somehow, well, show up at your state convention in Florida. That's in, in November. And tell us about it. Gripe at us. You know, stand up, make a speech, whatever. I, I mean, this is your convention. And it's easy to think right now, especially with some of the things that have been going on lately, that, oh, well, they're just these elites that run this and that thing. Well, first of all, I, I don't know that that's exactly true, but to the degree it is true, if you want to shake it up, show up. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Do. Yeah. You know, I just found, I kind of tried to do a little search. I couldn't find an email for the executive committee, but I did find a phone number, 615 2355 so if you think, hey, I don't, I'm concerned about what's going on, I just want to let people know. Uh, look, all of our listeners, we trust these guys. They're not, they're not crazy. Don't go and like be, don't be dumb. Don't Some of our listeners people. might be crazy. Well, you know, then only call once. But <laughs> that's the number. Six, so we could 615-244-2355. <laughs> and call, be respectful, and say, look, I'm concerned about it. You're our representatives. And I would like this kind of thing to be done. I think that's it is, well, it's time for guys to take responsibility, especially pastors, to say yeah, we really got to stand up and, and communicate. And, and I second. I'm sorry, Tom. I second what you said. Be respectful. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's sure. church for heaven's sake. Don't call and cuss at people. <laughs> you're a Christian, but <laughs> you're a Christian. Act like one. But be direct. Yeah. Tell us what's bothering you. Because lots of you are bothered by different things, and you know, and maybe it's not the same thing I am, but you all probably bothered about something. If you don't tell us, we don't know, and if you don't tell your other EC members, and for that matter, okay, let's say you have a problem with fill in the blank seminary, they did something you don't like. Well, how are they going to know if you don't tell them? Because how many of you do you, you think they hear from? We're not exactly top of mind. When MSNBC does a story on something, it's probably not us. So, so if you don't let people know, they don't know, it's your responsibility to let us know. We're there to serve you. It's our responsibility to listen. It's your responsibility to tell us. And the best way, oh my goodness, the best way is to show up at the annual meeting. I know bummer you got to actually spend a few days in your summer well get over it these are the things of god we got to steward this this matters yeah rod the the point you're making there is something we've been trying to hammer the last several months really the whole existence of founders ministries but especially these last several months is that the southern baptist convention belongs to the churches of the southern baptist convention all the seminaries all the entities belong to the churches and if churches are concerned and pastors of those churches are concerned about what's going on in any entity or in the SBC as a whole, then before we start pointing fingers, we need to own it before God Mm. because we are an association of churches. And if things have gone bad in our cooperative efforts, well, then that is on the, the churches that associate together that cooperate. And we need to repent of that. 
because we need to be good cooperating Baptists. We need to be good associational Baptists. And in our repentance, then, let's go and speak and try to, uh, to make things better than they are now. And do that, as we've said, Christianly. Do that as people who yes, fear God, who live under the authority of Scripture. So you said show up, show up. So Orlando is going to host the SBC in June of 2000, or 2020. So uh, why should somebody who's never been to a Southern Baptist Convention, who's not real sure of how things work, they're hearing today perhaps for the first time some of the dynamics of how decisions are made and people are appointed to different boards of trustees. Why should someone show up in Orlando 2020? Why should Southern Baptists come? Well, if we were talking about a political election, I might say something like, if you don't vote, you don't have any right to complain. Mm -hmm. I recognize that that's not really the case here. It's a big deal to get in your car, get on an airplane, go all the way across country. I get it. On the other hand, it is Orlando. It'll be a heck of a vacation. You know, come on. <laughs> and it, you you may, know you want to, yeah. so just come on. You're not saying uh, go to see but, Mick or anything. I mean, huh? you know, Wait, there have been places we've gone that weren't as cool. Yeah, I'm just saying. That's but, true. But in all seriousness, I understand that it's a bit of a sacrifice, and a lot of people only have you know a little bit of vacation, and you know we're asking them to spend some of it on the things of God. But did I mention the things of God? So what is it? This really does matter. So in the abstract, it matters. This particular convention, we elect a president for a one-year term, and the president almost always gets a second one-year term. Well, that means effectively you're electing a president for a two-year term. I mean, who are we kidding? They never don't get reelected. So, so we're actually in Orlando in a year where there will be a new president elected. Guaranteed, unless, I don't know, maybe J.D. decides to run for a third term <laughs> like, like Franklin Roosevelt. But I don't think he's going to. I can't imagine that. So, so we're going to elect a new president. That's a big deal. If you care about the direction of the SBC, you need to show up to vote for president. I don't know who all the candidates may be. I know uh, Charles Stanley and Adrian Rogers both became candidates the day of the election. So you don't know who's running until the election. It, that's really true. That's a thing. So, so I don't know who all will be candidates. I know that it is said that H.B. Charles is going to nominate Al Mohler, and, and I know a lot of people are very supportive of that. And I've heard there's a, another gentleman who I haven't Adams. met, Randy Adams from, from Washington. There might be 63 other candidates. Here's what I know. That guy is going to appoint the next Committee on Resolutions, that guy is going to appoint the committee on committees that appoints the committee on nominations that appoints all the people on all the other boards. Don't be complaining if you aren't willing to do something to achieve the end you want. Now, you might not be able to come to Orlando. I can totally understand. That's a big lift for some people. But if all it is is trouble, you need to come. Trouble is not a good reason. If you just can't do it, pray about it. Get involved in some way. Read about what's going on. Talk to your pastor. Get him to come. Maybe, you're, maybe your church can vote to pay for your pastor to come be a messenger, even if you can't go. Whatever it is, this matters. These are, these are my goodness, do you realize how much money we're talking about? I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of the Lord's money and the policies that are employed in spending those dollars 
If you can't get passionate about that, because that's all about reaching the lost for Jesus, that's all about training the next generation of pastors. If that doesn't mean something to you, why are you here? Mm. I mean, really, what's wrong with you? Go join something else. Because this is the most important thing we do. This is the Lord's money. We have to steward it. So show up in Orlando. Let me give you two more reasons to show up in Orlando. One is there will be a motion or some effort to rescind Resolution 9 from 2019. And uh, that's an important matter. It's important to me, important to a lot of Southern Baptists. It is to and me. So it's going to happen. How it happens, uh, there's some things that are hinging on how it will happen. But there will be an effort to rescind Resolution 19 up or down. Hopefully. Not 19, because we don't. 19 Revolution, was a great one. That was nine, a great one. We only had 13, I think. So 19 was the <laughs> 19 best. 19 was legit. Resolution yeah. 9 from the 2019 <laughs> convention. Nine. Resolution 9. A second reason is Founders is going to have an event on the Monday before the Convention. So I think that's June 8th is that Monday, right? The convention's the 9th and 10th, yeah. 9th and 10th. Right. And we're going to have a one-day uh, conference like we did last year in Birmingham. This year it's going to be by what standard? We're not, not showing the documentary, but rather we're going to have a conference that addresses themes from our Synodoc that we released several months ago. So plan on that. We'll have more information coming out on the website about that. Uh, Mark Coppinger's already agreed to speak. Uh, Jared Longshore's agreed to speak, and I'll be there, and we'll have some other men as well. And we'll be hitting some of these issues that are uh, fomenting among us that need to be addressed biblically. So that's two more good reasons mm. in addition to voting for a president. Oh, and I can think of a third because, okay. oh, how about this? We're also throwing an event. You may have heard of the new Conservative Baptist Network, which is interested in issues such as the one you just mentioned about mm-hmm. Resolution 9. Mm-hmm. And I have a real problem with critical race theory and intersectionality because just in a nutshell, I mean, you guys aren't going to top what you did in the documentary. That's fantastic. Everybody who is, has not seen the Founders documentary, By What Standard, you need to get on Vimeo right now, and I hope you guys are going to put it on YouTube soon. That needs to be watched. That is extraordinary. That is a tremendous, tremendous educational tool and, frankly, motivational tool. And uh, and I know some of the people in it. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and you know what? It's just real simple. I mean, these are all $5 words, and everybody's trying to figure out what the heck any of it means. Look, here's what it means, and I know I'm going to make some people's hair pop on fire here in a second when I say this, but this is what it is. And if you ever watched Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson, you already know because we've been fighting this stuff in the political and cultural sectors for decades. My entire life we've been fighting this stuff out in the non-church world, and now it's come into the church world, and and I'm sure some of these guys don't realize the fire they're playing with and don't mean anything ugly by it, but but still, these ideas are unchristian. Thank you, Owen and Jason Allen for for calling it unchristian the other day. Midwestern Seminary's come out strong on this. I'm proud of them. Al Muller came out strong on this in the briefing two days after Resolution 9 passed. I appreciated that. In any case, uh, look, here's the bottom line. Critical race theory, intersectionality, defines one group of people as unable to repent and one group of people as never needing to. That's as far from the gospel as you will ever get because it makes reconciliation impossible in the name of reconciliation. 
There is no amount of repenting that one of those groups can ever do that will be enough, and there's no amount of repenting the other group will ever need to do. And you say, well, why would they need to repent? Because they're sinners. That's why. I don't care what got done to them. They're still sinners in need of Jesus. That's why. And we need to reconcile them in the hope of the gospel because in Jesus there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There's just one body that is adopted by the by the efficacy of the blood shed by the only begotten, and we get to be co-heirs with him in the family of the Father. That's the reconciliation we need, not this political trash coming out of Frankfurt School Marxism. I it thought he crazy. said he was just a layman. By I thought he said he was just a layman. We That's done. a preacher right there. Well, there it's you on go. Sunday. That's what happens when you do a so, podcast on Sunday. Well, there you go. So we got to get rid of Resolution <laughs> 9. I'm sure those fine folks meant well. I know they're trying to do their best they can, but we need to educate them. <laughs> hey, so they have missed On a out. side note, I've been talking to a lot of people, and people just watch out for this because this move's coming. So we went from critical race theory and intersectionality as an analytical tool to the tools of critical race theory and intersectionality. So we just had a shift in the conversation, and I've even heard it might be going to the tools. Let's go to the tools used by critical race theory and intersectionality. I'm like, well, that's a good trajectory. I'm Absolutely. glad. But don't ever, don't anybody go like, hey, what's the big fuss about? It's like, oh, somebody changed the conversation. Yeah. So res- executive committee, I know this is just a resolution. The resolution was happened last year. We're going to move to rescind that resolution. Mm-hmm. Is there any connection at all to the executive committee? Can we, it, does it matter? Does the executive committee like, look at the resolutions, confirm resolutions. Do we, it would it be good to get their thoughts on the resolution. Any connection at all to the executive committee? Or are we talking about two really separate things? Yeah, that's above our pay grade because that's actually a resolution voted on by the convention. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to stress in my view, I don't think, half or more of that room had any idea oh, what intersectionality not at all. was. Not at all. I've talked to senior pastors who are outstanding, highly educated yeah. men who can't define it. So I don't imagine that a lot of people voted for this out of a passionate desire to follow Gramsci. I don't think that's <laughs> what's going on. But it might be beneficial if we're going to if we're going to report out resolutions, maybe maybe uh, Ed Stetzer, our, our new uh, our new resolutions committee chairman, <laughs> Tom knew Ed when he was a Southern Baptist. Well, yeah, and a I Calvinist. Hear you. And uh, a Calvinist. Yeah, I hear you. I, I love Ed, but but Ed, I hope you're listening when I say it might be better if we reported out resolutions that people knew what they were. Well, he's. Ed, I think Ed, that would be fair. I've been in touch with Ed, and, and he's uh, he's assured me that he wants to do that, which is right. Well, good praise Orthodox, God for Ed, that, and we want to get him on the sword in the trial, Ed. So. So Ed hadn't responded to me on Twitter yet. Um, <laughs> hey, we'd like to have you on the sword in the trial. Hey, I like him. He walks up behind me at the founders booth and rubs my shoulders. I, I, I appreciate people who. That's because that. the founders booth is a place of love and affection. Well, it is. it is. You guys were interviewing me, so That's there true. I was. But but seriously, that is a bit of a problem, and I think that I think that the former committee would have done better, and I think they could have avoided a lot of heartache for themselves if they had crafted a resolution that normal people could understand. And I, I, that's always a temptation because, you know, we've got all these very highly educated men, both pastors and professors, who live in that world and, and they write books at each other. And you know what? That, that's important. But at the resolution level, you are shooting that at uh, the Baptist in the pew 
and they deserve better from right. us. They really Absolutely. do. Yeah, that was that was a uh, an unwise move, at best, and um, it's unfortunate, but gives us an opportunity to address it and to make amends. Yeah, absolutely. These are crazy times uh, in the SBC. We might call this podcast like what's in the water at the SBC and what you can do about it, uh, especially in regards to the executive committee. Rod, thank you so much for coming on and giving us a window. And I think it's so important that we do educate pastors, especially church leaders and then church members uh, all around the Southern Baptist world to understand what's going on, especially right now, because this practical situation with the pastors conference, it's right here. I mean, and, and it's just crazy right i'm so thankful that you have been clear on this and said look i don't care what people say i am not for um propagating sexual immorality in the worship (laughs) of god on the lord's day and you can go you can look at my twitter i've already talked about this tom's addressed this uh others have addressed this you can watch these videos and you can say are we really going to be a southern baptist convention that promotes this kind of thing or aids this kind of thing and supports this kind of thing with cooperative program dollars and it shows how important the system is and how important it is to express what you think is actually in keeping with the baptist faith and message and what is simply not in keeping with baptist faith and message and be willing to address it so I hope that many executive committee members would be like Rod Martin and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm willing to speak my mind, honestly, plainly, and brotherly love um, for the glory of Christ and the good of our churches. So thanks, brother. And we have addressed this at founders.org. We'll be addressing it more this week. So go there, check out the articles. Uh, we've also got uh, the By What Standard documentary that is there. You can learn about Wield the Sword, which is the next step that we're about ready to begin production of and hopefully produce videos that'll be useful for churches to positively address some of the issues that were raised in By What Standard. As always, we want to thank the folks that help make this possible. Yeah, yeah, the fam. If you you know if you benefit from the things that we're talking about, if you feel like, hey, this is really educational, I'm profiting uh, from this, then do join our Founders Alliance membership. You can come in at three different levels, and you get access to great content. Content, and I actually believe this is launching really soon. I'm really pumped about the the armory. So we've got Something's all. I mean, how many hours of footage that from by what standard? Gosh, we got dozens Vody, and dozens. You got Coppinger, yeah. and you got Moeller, and you got all these other people um, that are going to be uploaded but it's just going to be for fam members i think it's like 20 plus hours right now we've got more coming we're going to continually upload content there so join the fam get access to that get resourced thanks again for all of your support rod thanks for joining us today great to be here